DJ Guy D'Angelo representing London Town. Welcome to the Music Eyes podcast, bro. Look, I've been looking at your schedule and you are one busy boy, aren't you? Yeah, I try to be. I try to be as busy as I can. Uh, just keep pedal to the metal all the time. Um, and just try and keep my finger on the pulse of lots of different areas and try and keep myself busy in terms of networking and just making sure that I'm never missing a beat. Uh, I think that's really important. I think a lot of DJs kind of sometimes forget how important it is just to network and meet people and just just just, just like talk to other people about stuff that's relevant and stuff that's going on and um, just to kind of stay as current as possible because, you know, the, the industry changes so, so quick and we've seen that um, in the past 12 months, I think. And, uh, yeah, just being able to, to stay, keep your finger on the beat and just keep current and know what's going on uh, on certain trends and it just positions you well that, you know, when the when the market does kind of reopen, that you're ready to like pull the trigger and rock and roll straight away. So you've had quite a journey in this DJ game. We've known each other for what six months or so. So tell me something I might not know about you. Yeah, I mean, I started DJing when I was 13 years old. Uh, I'm 36 now, just to put it into context. It's a long time. Um, so yeah, when I was like 13, my I had an older brother who was massively into kind of house and garage music, and. Uh, the funny thing is my older brother is actually partially deaf. So he uh, <laughs> he got into DJ. He tried to get into DJing before he actually realised that you had to be able to like understand how to mix tunes. So um, he, he figured out quite quickly that it wasn't really going to work for him. So uh, I found myself at 13 with a set of um, Omnitronic belt drive turntables just sitting wow. in my house. <laughs> Old school, yeah, proper. So, um, and it was a kind of just a thing where him and his friends kind of would come around to the house before they would go out and they'd play garage tape packs and Sun City tape packs, La Cosa Nostra, all those old school, um, even before that, even drum and bass bits as well. Um, and I just started mucking around on turntables at like 13, had no clue what I was doing, had no idea, um, just mixing vinyls and stuff. And and then just through kind of like real perseverance, when I was a kid, if I got, if I got my like a bee in my bonnet about something, I just like, I had to learn it. If I wanted to learn something, I just stuck at it. I just, it was just, it was a trait that I had from really, really, really young. And um, yeah, I just kind of mucked around on the turntables for a couple, probably a good couple of years. And when I got to about probably 15, 16, it just all suddenly started to click. Um, and I went from being able to not mix at all to suddenly being able to just DJ. I don't even think it even like, it was just a thing that just happened. It just naturally progressed over time. I just started to understand how to beat match and, to distinguish the different sounds and two different vinyls and records. And uh, it went from there. And then, yeah, from 16, like just playing at kind of lots of friends' birthday parties at school. And um, I think my first gigs that I ever did abroad were like when I was like 16, 17, out in my bay in Spain when I was out there with my parents, just blagged my way into like a little bar in, in my bay. I just, just completely blagged my way in there. Um, and then, yeah, just went from kind of like into, in a route where I was probably, in 2008, maybe I was about 20, 24, started working for a company called Scintillate, Scintillate which are a big London promotions brand. Um, and I started working for them as a promoter originally. Um, and then I remember we were, we were promoting a night in, uh, in a club called Essence in Kingston. And the DJ that was meant to play uh, had a car accident and he couldn't, uh, he, couldn't, he, he couldn't get there. And they were like, oh, like we're, but we're basically stuck, like, you know, any DJs. And I was like, well, I, I DJ. And they were like, oh, do you really? And I said, yeah. And I always carried my CD case everywhere in my car. <laughs> always in there prepped and ready to go. And I said, yeah, yeah. I said, I DJ. And they're like, all right, cool. They're like, can you, can, can you jump on? And I was like, yeah, of course. And that like, went on and like, obviously just, yeah, did my thing. And then from that, that turned into a, that turned into a five-year residency on a Saturday night. And then I parted ways with them 
um, and I went on to just hold residency down in London in the West End. And then, um, yeah, that steered me to two nominations for uh, Best DJ at London Club, London Club and Bar Awards. Uh, and that was 2015 and 2018. And it's just been a mad journey, mate, really. Like just from, yeah, just being a kid, just growing up around music. That comes across in your sets as well, Guy. So you have the Guy D'Angelo stream, but you also have the, the Back in Time stream as well, don't you? It started off as a as an event so we planned it um we sold 200 tickets in two weeks which was mind-blowing we didn't even do any promotion for it we literally stuck it up on facebook we put it onto a eventbrite and it sold out in like two weeks and we were blown away by the support of it and uh and then obviously covid happened so the event got cancelled and then rather than just let it kind of the brand just go dry she was like look i think we should do a live stream um and this is way before I knew about Twitch. I knew about Twitch as a platform, but I always knew about it for gamers. I think we had about, I don't know, like 50-odd people watch, which was all right. I was, I was quite impressed with that. And then, um, and then just gradually through the weeks and weeks and weeks, we just started to build it, did a bit more promo. I got, I got myself a direct audio sorted out. I got a better camera. From Facebook, it kind of just went a bit crazy. We started off getting, around sort of March time, we were getting a, like a couple of hundred people watching. Um, and then by May, June, when it was really, really popping, um, I think our busiest stream ever, we had 60,000 people tuned in, which was mind blowing. Yeah, we had people from China, Uganda, US, Canada, like Australia. It was mental. We just said, look, we're going to have to just do it. We're going to have to just cut it off Facebook, move it to Twitch and just rebuild it. Um, and it has taken us a while to kind of get it back. But, but I mean, on average, we get about, yeah, but I say between 150 to 200 people a week. And then we get a lot of people still watching without a Twitch account. So we'll share the link on our Facebook community page. People will log in and they'll watch it, but they just won't have a Twitch account. And I mean, like we, we've rescheduled our, our event that was postponed from last year. That's going to be on July the 31st in a place called Invercourt in Isha. I'll be completely honest with you. So a lot of the clubs that I play in in London, um, I play purely because it's, a job for me um it pays well and financially um it's something that i do for work a lot of the venues that i play out a lot of the music is not what i would particularly enjoy playing um you know a lot i mean i love all types of music but what a lot of the music that i play on my twitch shows you couldn't dream of playing that in a venue just because the crowd just you wouldn't hold their attention mm. they're either too young they can't connect with it or it's just not the right type of vibe to keep the energy high in the club so a lot of the stuff that you play on Twitch, you could never even draw for that. Even in a warm-up set, you struggled to play it. Um, so I think what Twitch has allowed me to do is just is to really get creative again with my musical selections and just dig through my crates and just mm. rediscover and just engage with music again. That I'm just like, oh man, this this is why this is why I started DJing because this is where my passion for music can really be displayed, and that's what I'm really enjoying about the Twitch process. So let's talk specifically about the 90s. So what does 90s, I guess, the era mean to you, but then also as a music fan, as a DJ, you know, what what your kind of connections with that era? Yeah, I think for me, the ni- I mean, the 90s for me was when I was really coming into kind of my, I mean, I, w- I would have been in my early teens in the 90s. So 90s for me was when I was really discovering the kind of musical sounds that I love to listen to. Um and it was kind of a it was kind of a mix between kind of obviously I got into the garage and the house stuff really really early because garage is where I kind of really started my journey with DJing um, and kind of all the Detroit style house so people like um, Kerry Chandler, Dennis Ferreira, people like that. 
um, in terms of dance music, those guys, and then garage producers like Grant Nelson, Todd Edwards, um, Tough Jam, like Cold Tough Enough Brown, MJ Cole, um, and them types of guys there. They were my real inspiration when it came to kind of electronical music. Um, but in terms of my kind of like more stuff that I wasn't necessarily DJing play, playing at that time because I was a, I was a I was purely a, a house and garage DJ for many many years until I started working in clubs when I realized that I needed to be able to play a more open format set to be able to get the bookings I didn't really even touch hip-hop and R&B as a genre until I probably got into like I'm talking like mid yeah probably early 2000s um but I mean in terms of me like for the night the 90s as, a, as an era for me um I believe the I believe the eighties and nineties are the two greatest eras in musical history ever. I mean, that's a big there's a big twenty year gap there. Like, but for me, like even on a, in a, on our back in time stream, um, we play a lot of nineties stuff, and we typically play eighties and nineties. We don't tend to move too far below the eighties, and we try and keep it below the two thousands. Because for me, I know it sounds strange, but I'm thirty six. When I hear things like Fat Joe, What's Love on um, on history i'm like mate this is not a history track like <laughs> but to youngsters it is but for me 90s in terms of hip-hop and r&b uh was the it was the game changer like there was no era i don't think where there's going to be an any any artist ever again that were that iconic that could like hip-hop when you look at when you when you talk about artists like notorious big tupac like jay-z early dear early years like all those guys there i mean they were there at the right time when hip-hop was transitioning from what it was to what we then knew and I think what you saw happen in the 90s, I don't think will ever be seen again in terms of the progression that was made for those types of genres of music. I think that that's what set the benchmark for everything that's coming in the future. So give me your top three 90s tracks, please, Guy. Number three, I'm going to go, and I think this is 90s, I'm sure it is, Horace Brown, One for the Money. That for me has got to be in my top three. Um, so I'm going to go that number three. Just because I think that, I mean, I love that kind of new Jackie kind of swing, bumpy tempos, like, and I, I, I always judge tunes on how they make me feel. And when I drop that track, like, I just vibe straight away. Like, whenever I hear that tune, I just want to, like, drop whatever I'm doing and just, like, just jam. I can't help it. Like, I sing to it. I dance to it. I can't help but bump my head. Like, and there's just certain tunes. I, you'll see me on my live stream. Like, people take the piss because I love, like, I love to sing, but I can't help but sing. Like, and there's just certain tunes that will come on, and I just can't help but grab the mic and sing along. And that's just one of them. Like, if you drop that track, you're guaranteed to hear me like singing some vocals and catching a vibe and moving around. And and that could easily that could, that could quite easily be like a number one track. But I'm just trying to kind of like it's difficult to put them into like numerical order. Um, number two, oh man, it's gonna have to be like a Donnell Jones tune. I think "Players in the Hood" is a '90s track. I'll go, I'll go "Players in the Hood" by Donnell Jones. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go the original. I always tend to like sway to the original. For, for me, Donnell Jones again is one of those artists that I think um, he left a huge impact on the R&B scene. When I look back at male R&B artists, and not just males, but anyone like in that kind of era, for me, Donnell Jones, if you listen to his album, you listen to his tracks, he's just, he just produced banger after banger. That guy didn't, he couldn't make a bad song. And uh, number one, what you got? Yeah, I'm going to go, I'm, I'm going to go Bobby Brown. Um, just because I think, again, Bobby Brown for me was just that he was the bad boy of r and I think every tune that the guy dropped was just absolute fire. 
Um, I'm probably going to go for Don't Be Cruel, but I don't know if that was 80s though or 90s. I think you probably, probably. I think I think every little step. I think every little step was 89. I'm sure, I'm sure Don't Be Cruel was 90s. Yeah, I'm going to go Bobby just because I think that again, like when I look back at iconic artists of the 90s for me, an artist that I used to listen, to, love to listen to as a kid, Bobby Brown was was always played in my house. Um, and I remember my dad took me to go and see the Ghostbuster 2 film when I was a kid, the one with the Slime River on like a movie premiere. And Bobby Brown did the uh, the soundtrack to it. Um, and that for me is, again, one of my favourite Bobby Brown tunes, just because of the memories that it brings back of me and my dad going to the, uh, to the movie premiere when I was a kid. Um, and every time I hear that tune, it just reminds me, it reminds me of my time uh, as, a, as a kid. So I think that's why it kind of holds a special place in my heart. And, and, him, and him as an artist, um, even like, again, in our back in time streams, you'll hear us play loads of Bobby Brown. That's terrific. So finally, what have you got to look forward to over the coming months, DJ-wise? I've been quite fortunate to get a few things locked in already. So um, I've got a couple of dates that are, that are booked in. Obviously, it's depending on obviously what happens with the roadmap and if we're going to be able to get out and stuff. But I've got a date over in um, Trent Country Park in a couple of weeks on April the 16th. Um, I think it's the 16th, that's the Sunday, whatever the 16th is, I think it's a Sunday. Um, that's a kind of an all-day brunch event. I'm going to be over there. And then I've got May 23rd, I'm doing obviously the Love You Better gang party over in Shoreditch. And I've also got a boat party that day as well that I'm doing for a brand called The Playground. Um, I've just signed a new residency for a brand new venue in Maidstone in Kent called Ballin, which I'm going to be there every other Friday night. Um, I've got another residency as well uh, over my way in a, at a club called Red Bar in Weybridge. They're going to be re reopening. Um, my Saturday night residency is at a club called uh, Tramp on German Street in Mayfair. That's a members club. Um, they're going to be reopening hopefully soon as well. So that'll be that'll be get popping off. Um, obviously got the Back in Time event on the 31st. I've got two events booked in for a house brand that I'm a resident for called Paravana Project. That's in July and bank holiday in August. Um, and I secured myself about four corporate gigs last week, which is good. So I'm doing a gig for, um, I've got a gig for Estee Lauder. I've got a gig for GHD, the hair straight company. And then I've got a Christmas part, two Christmas parties booked in for November, one for Ted Baker and one for uh, House of CB, the fashion company. So I've got a few bits in the diary. Nice. But so it's, so it's one, just, one or two things, Guy, one or two things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm fortunate. Um, I've been DJing in the West End for like the best part of almost 20 years now. Like my network is massive. Like it's just, I, I rely massively on the connections that I've managed to build throughout just years of being out just with club promoters and club managers. And I've been very fortunate that people have been very loyal to me um, and friends that I've developed and friendships that I've built um, that I'm just fortunate that when... You know, when when the time comes, I'm very lucky that my phone, um, it just, yeah, they call me and they just say, look, I need you for this. Um, there's, you know, there's many, many a talented, more, more talented DJs in the world than I. Um, I don't I don't try and pretend like I'm, you know, I do my thing. But I mean, there's super talented guys that I've come across on Twitch. There's super talented guys that I have the pleasure of working with week in, week out in London. Um, but yeah, sometimes, man, it just, it just, it goes, it goes back to that old school saying of like it's, it's all about who you know I'm just very fortunate that I've got a big big network and uh, mm. people that have been good to me and people that are loyal to me and friends that I've made through for years of just yeah just being out and about and just pestering people for work <laughs> oh, brilliant DJ Guy D'Angelo thank you so much for your time take care and we look forward to your set on Sunday mate cheers buddy bye